Hello and welcome to the PLUS podcast. Now what you just heard was the sound of a gombertz. A gombertz is a funny little object. It looks a bit like an egg with some sharp edges and when you put it down on a flat surface it starts wriggling and rolling around just as if it was alive in order to maneuver itself into its favorite resting position. That resting position is a stable point of equilibrium of the gombertz. And mathematically, what makes the gombert so special is the fact that it has exactly one stable point of equilibrium and one unstable point of equilibrium, and we'll find out in a moment what that means. Now, until recently, most people thought that an object like the gombert, with only two points of equilibrium, couldn't possibly exist in three dimensions. That was until two Hungarian mathematicians, Gabor Dumokos and Peter Valconi, proved mathematically that it does in fact exist, and they also went on to build one, with some difficulty as it turned out. Now whether or not an object like the Gombert exists is clearly a question that interests mathematicians, but it turns out that the Gombert's unique properties have also given an evolutionary edge to a certain species of tortoise. I caught up with Domokos on his recent visit to Cambridge to find out more. What is this uh, gumbirds? What characterizes it? Well, uh, this is only two equilibrium points. Mm-hmm. Equilibrium point is a point where if you put it on a, homoge- on, on a horizontal surface, it would stay at rest. And it is homogeneous and it is convex. Now, one of these equilibrium points is stable. So you put it down and it would stay there even if you perturb it a little bit. So you kick it a little bit, it would come back. And the other point, point is unstable, so it would balance like the pencil on the tip. So you need a little bit of help to balance it there. In all other points, it would roll off in a very, very specified direction. So if we, we're just looking at it now and it's sitting calmly at its point of stable equilibrium, so it's not moving, if we put it down in any other position that is neither of the two points of equilibrium, it will start wriggling around and moving in order to bring itself to the point of stable equilibrium. Yes, and at any non-equilibrium point, it would always roll off in the same direction. So then that is that distinguishes between non-equilibrium points and unstable equilibria. Because from an unstable equilibrium, it would always roll off, but in which direction it rolls off depends on where you push it. In a non-equilibrium point, it would always roll off in the same direction. It is like putting a ball on a hilly landscape. If you put it at an arbitrary point, it would always roll off in the gradient direction. But if you put it on a hilltop, it would roll off, but it depends on where you kick it, in which direction it would roll off. Obviously, the valley is easy because it would not roll off. That is a stable point of equilibrium. However, any generic point on a surface is a non-equilibrium point, and there are very few which are equilibrium, and here there are just two. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, people might have seen... Um, toys that they're self-writing, they put themselves in a preferred position. Now these toys are different because they have a weight inside, right? So what is the difference between such a toy and the gombats? Well, that is correct. So these toys do a similar thing. Uh, I think they are called weevils. And uh, the weevil toy has a weight, so it is inhomogeneous, and therefore it comes back to the stable point of equilibrium. Now, it is also possible to make other shapes which are homogeneous, so they have no weight, but they have only one point of stable equilibrium. However, they have multiple unstable equilibria. And that was well known. 
the question was whether something exists just with two points. So, just to recap, the gumbots is special because it's a three-dimensional convex shape with just one stable and one unstable point of equilibrium, which is also homogeneous, meaning that there are no weights or other irregularities inside of it that would draw it into a particular direction. The question of whether such an object exists was first posed by the Russian mathematician Vladimir Arnold. Some people looked in an opposite direction trying to prove that it doesn't exist because in the plane such shapes don't exist. So let's let's think about the plane first of yes. all. So you have a two-dimensional shape. Yeah. Now people when they think of equilibrium they will automatically think of 3D objects that you put down. So mm -hmm. what is the point of equilibrium in a, in a plane then? How do you find that? Imagine that you have a shape uh, out of plywood and it is rolling between two vertical glass plates. So then it would balance at some point. And say, imagine an ellipse. An ellipse would balance uh, in the middle of the long sides, and it would also balance at the tips, but that is what we call an unstable equilibrium. And then it would have the two stable equilibria along the long sides. And, and the square would have four or loads? Four, four. actually four, uh, four directions. So, yeah. and then it would have a four unstable and any regular polygon would have an n-sided polygon would have n-stable and n-unstable. And a disk would have lots of unstable ones? Well, a disk uh, is uh, one what we call degenerate because uh, it has infinitely many points of equilibrium. Actually, all points are equilibrium points, but they are neither stable nor unstable. Oh. This, is, this is something which is non-typical and any perturbation would get rid of them. So all our work has been devoted to generic objects because in a physical world that is only what we see. Yeah. Okay, so in two dimensions uh, what do we know about uh, points of equi equilibria? Well, uh, it is uh, uh, relatively easy to prove that you cannot have a plywood shape which would just have one pair of equilibria, so one stable and one unstable. And you need to know only high school mathematics to prove that. You need to think a little bit, but it is not a complicated proof. What's impossible in two dimensions should also be impossible in three dimensions. So many mathematicians set out trying to prove that a convex, homogeneous, three-dimensional object with just two points of equilibrium couldn't possibly exist. I also tried to do that for a lo long, long time, and I couldn't do it. And uh, obviously the main inspiration came from this conversation with Professor Arnold. That was a very interesting conversation. and. He expressed his view that he thinks such a shape might exist, despite all of these rumors going around. So then I started thinking in a different way, and I, although I, didn't, I couldn't solve the problem for a long time, but gradually I realized that the question is much more beautiful than I thought. In which way is it more beautiful? Oh, it is very beautiful, because uh, you can classify all shapes by the number and type of equilibrium points. And as we discussed, we have in the plane, we have two types, the stable and the unstable. And in three dimensions, you have three types. Uh, like on a landscape, you have hilltops, you have valleys, and you have what we call saddle points. Mm -hmm. And all of, all of these three are generic, so they are typical equilibrium points. Can, I just, can we just think about, just for a moment, about the saddle points? So that would be a point which is 
um, kind of stable in one direction and unstable in another direction. Like if you put a marble on the top of a saddle, it might roll off yeah. down the sides, but yeah. it's kind of in a valley if you look from the front yes. to the back of the horse. So that is absolutely correct. To be more precise, it is unstable in, in almost any direction mm -hmm. and it is stable only in one direction. Mm -hmm. So from a physical point of view, it's an unstable point, but it is not a maximum. So the number of these points is not unrelated. And then suddenly, even before without knowing the, about this existence of this object, what uh, uh, we realized is that it is possible always to increase the number of equilibrium points by small perturbations. So, so if you change the object slightly, slightly. You, you like very slightly, you That's increase slightly. the number of equilibrium. You can, if you do it on a purposeful way. And we give an explicit algorithm if you take any object, how to increase the number of equilibrium points by one. And uh, this is visually clear, because if you go again on a hike and you are on a hilltop and the task is to collect some water, you dig a very small hole and the water will collect there in that hole. So with a very small perturbation, you produce the stable point of equilibrium in the vicinity of an unstable point. However, the opposite is not true, and it is equally easy to see that you cannot make away equilibrium points. So if you are on a hike and you see a, 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 a lake, and uh, the task is to get rid of the lake, that, that is not an easy job. And uh, similarly, if you have an, an object, normally it is not easy to get rid of an equilibrium point. So, so the idea or, or what you found was basically that if you could show the existence of this Gombertz, which has the smallest number yes. of equilibrium points, then your algorithm, which can increase it by one, yeah. would show that you can produce object of, of any configuration of e equilibrium points. Yes. You, could, you could derive the existence of all other categories from this one, but the inverse was not true. The existence of this could not be derived from the higher number of uh, from bodies with higher number of equilibrium points. From a mathematical point of view, this showed that this has a crucial role. So this is a very important object. It's a stem cell, as you said. Yes, it, uh, it, in this sense, this is a stem cell for this kind of classification. And then, of course, mathematics in mathematics is all about beauty. Now, these appear to be immensely beautiful. So they suggested that, okay, previously people thought it would be very beautiful to prove that it didn't exist. But now this seems to be much more beautiful. Domoko still didn't know whether the Gombertz actually existed or not, but the beautiful fact that if it did exist, it would act as a sort of DNA for other three-dimensional objects with any configuration of equilibrium points motivated him in his search. And it was one particular idea that set him on the right track. We gradually we realized another property which was equally striking, without knowing that it existed or not. So you can assign a scalar number measuring the flatness or the thinness of an object. And there are many ways to do that. And we picked one way which seemed to be very suitable for this kind of purpose. So, so these scalars, they measure how flat or how thin an object is overall? Yes, yes. So say a Frisbee would have a very high flatness and a very small thinness. And a pencil would have a very high thinness and a very small flatness. And in fact, the minimal number is one. So the sphere would have one and one, and a circle, a circular disk would have uh, like arbitrarily high flatness, but thinness one. And a, and a long cylinder, a very thin cylinder, would have uh, flatness 
one and thinness very high. And then we prove that if this thing existed, uh, it would have flatness and thinness equal to one. So it uh, would be behaving in this respect like the sphere, but it would not be the sphere. And this told us that actually this has to be rather sensitive object. But we still didn't know whether it existed or not. And then we went on holidays with my wife and then uh, in Greece. And then I realized there were many pebbles. And I also realized that this question is so special that in mathematics, you expect people to, to, to work with a computer or a paper or pencil. But here the question was so physical that if we could find a pebble which behaved like this, then the question would be solved. And that tells you about the absurd character of this question, that it, it, it's a mathematical question. Certainly it is related to nice areas of mathematics, but it is deeply physical. So we spent one week and every looking for pebbles. Yes, every evening I collected about a couple of hundred pebbles and uh, and uh, then I brought it up to the hotel room and we classified them according to the Poincaré Hopf theorem. So the number of equilibrium points. And uh, well, that is a rather exhausting thing. So we are talking about about 150 kilograms of pebbles altogether. What did your wife think about that? Well, uh, some people claim this is a reason for divorce. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we, 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 we believe that once you survive something like that, then it is good for the marriage. The relationship is stronger now. Yes, now, yes, now, <laughs> because we survived it. And actually, to be honest, it was, uh, so I would have stopped halfway. So at the beginning, I said, I want to classify 2,000 pebbles. But then midway, I realized this is just, enormous number and mathematicians are very happy to talk about large numbers but if you take pebbles in your hand and you count them and you have to play with them 2000 is a large number so at uh, above 1000 i said we could we could just have 1000 and no she persisted so, <laughs> so we finished the 2000 pebbles is she a mathematician no no she's a, she's an economist she's working in business but she's a very she has perseverance and and i think I, i'm very glad that we finished this so now we understand that what we found about the pebbles is very interesting from the point of view of pebbles, not from the point of view of the gumbers. But so we, we had some good data, but we didn't find the gumbers. And then we were very tired and a little bit depressed. And there was a big question that, uh, well, when you are depressed, everything comes into your mind. So my mind, I asked whether maybe Professor Arnold was wrong. Mm. Maybe there's no such shape. Oh dear. Because, because you see, if you look at those pebbles, you get the impression that even if you would go to all Greek other, all other Greek islands, you wouldn't find a pebble like that. And so why not? I mean, if this is just a shape as any other shape. If, if it existed, you, if you look at the pebbles, you see there are all, all, all kinds of shapes. But isn't that because of the sea or the way they are being moved or...? The way well, they've evolved. Uh, yes, but there are so many. So you, and, and there are all different phases of evolution. Now, actually, that is what we are working on now, our shape evolutions. But then, then, of course, we slept. And then we realized that, that uh, maybe uh, Arnold was right. But there is a, there, then there has to be a mathematical reason why we didn't find it. And 
actually it was then that we discovered that it was flatness and thinness of one. And that tells you that if some Martians would come and drop a gumbet on the, on the sea coast, it would cease to be a gumbet within, say, half an hour. Why is that? Because it is so sensitive. So it has right. to be so sensitive. And so it would get deformed. It would get additional points of equilibrium. Oh, yeah, because you can just, create them. Yes, just by your algorithm. So, and uh, we couldn't tell exactly what would be the tolerance, but we saw that the tolerance might be so small that, uh, so philosophically, it's strange to say it. So this is a very fundamental question about mechanics. I mean, very easy to understand question, I would say, maybe not fundamental, but easy to understand. So the Greeks could have thought about it. And you expect a clear cut yes and no answer here. Something should exist like this or not. And the answer is finally it exists, but barely so. So it's an unstable equilibrium existence. Yes, <laughs> yeah, in quotation marks, you could yeah. say that. So it is in, in, in for the human mind, things like this, which which you if you drop it, it ceased to be what it was, then you could say it existed, but it's a very fragile existence physically. But despite the sensitivity, the Gumberts does actually exist, as Damokos and Valconi finally managed to prove over a decade after Damokos first started thinking about the problem. Now, you can even buy your very own Gumberts from the Gumberts website, details of which are in the article accompanying this podcast. But while the Gumberts made a very good job of hiding from mathematicians for a very long time, it didn't escape evolution. It turns out that some species of tortoise rely on the Gumberts' shape for survival. In Hungary, there we have tortoises which are not like this. But then I looked on the internet and I found some tortoises which looked like this and I saw that if they would be close to this shape, it would help them. So then we started a systematic research on that. And for one year, I was measuring all the turtles in Budapest, in the pet shops and in the zoo and everything. It is not easy uh, to get permissions because as it turns out, now I am more educated than I was then. For each turtle to be uh, upside down is a life-threatening situation. And it has to have a strategy to self-right. And we believe that the last couple of percentages for the shape were evolved because of self-writing. Because we measured many, many turtles and we developed a, a very sophisticated geometrical model for the shell and identified these shells. And we found that, that there are a couple of species which are so close to monostatic, so with one stable, that it could not be a random thing. So close to monostatic means uh, one... One stable point of equilibrium. So they are only stable on their bellies. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we have parameters in the model. And the range of the parameters where this would be true is a very small range. So you don't assume this happened uh, randomly. Have you talked to biologists? Oh, absolutely. What do they think? Absolutely. Are, absolutely. They, are they? So then, then, of course, we had this theory, and then it was a, a cathartic experience to see the first turtle self right like this. So they, at first, first, we thought they would do it, but. Then we talked to some local pet shop owners and they said, you are completely off. I mean, they, they, they never do this. And then I said, they, they, I, they have to do it because there is no other way. I mean, the shape is... And then we 
And of course, when you are, get a permission to look at these turtles, who are, which are typical, very valuable turtles, they don't let you turn them over because that would give them extra stress. So we always had to do it when they didn't look. Yes. <laughs> so <it's laughs> yes, yes. But, but I had always my camera there. And, and if the keeper would do something else, then I would just quickly turn it over <laughs> and then look what it does. And, and suddenly I saw the first thing, the first little turtle do exactly what it was supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it was acting like a gumbert. Dumokos and Falcone's tortoise theory has now made it into a respected biological research journal, and it's opened up whole new avenues for research. For example, at the moment, they are studying the relationship between the shape of a tortoise shell and its habitat to help with the classification of tortoise fossils. And this brings us to the end of our Gombert story for now. You can read the article accompanying this podcast by going to the PLUS website at plus.maths.org and entering GOMBOTS in the search facility. That's G-O-M-B-O-C. And in case you were wondering what the word GOMBOTS actually means, it's a Hungarian word to describe anything that's round. My name is Marianne Freiberger. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.